And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, we are here post-election day, uh, day one of post-election day, I guess. Um, I apologize if I sound really tired. Uh, Just like if you're an American, you're probably just like me, very mentally drained and tired. But, you know, I do have an obligation to you folks. And that is to come to you every Wednesday with all the good nerdiness and news. Um, Before we get into it, I do have a little something I'm kind of happy. uh, Actually, I'm more than happy about. um, And I don't really talk about politics. Actually, I don't talk about politics. It's just not my nature. I don't talk about religion. I don't talk about politics. Uh, One of the things that I was very happy to find out about here in the state of California was uh, Proposition 14 passed. And Proposition 14 was a bill that would give uh, research to stem cell, or research, give money to rooms. Yeah, (laughs) I told you I'm tired. It would give about $5 billion to stem cell research. And it doesn't really matter what kind of disease or injury that a, a person has. It's, it's a proven fact that it's going to help. And I know, like my son Jay, um, he could, because he's, he's high-functioning autistic, he would uh, benefit greatly with whatever you know, research is developed uh, for treatment using stem cells. And I know a couple people that have had uh, a CVA, uh, which is a, a stroke. It's a medical term for stroke. Um, you know, I, I know people that have um, MS. Oh my gosh, MS, yes. You know, so this, the, the, the bill passed and I, I was very I was very happy because it was really close, um, but uh, as of today, the bill passed. So California will be getting five billion dollars for stem cell research, and I really pray that they don't go and just mess you know, just spend it on whatever they actually put it to research for good cause and you know find some type of remedy for so many things that it could do i mean the the idea and the possibilities is is really limitless when it comes to the human body so that's it that's all i wanted to say is yay that the the bill that i wanted to pass the most passed um, we don't know about anything else at this point. Uh, it may be different by the time you are listening to this today on Wednesday. Uh, it's actually still a little bit before 
midnight, so it's still Tuesday technically as I'm recording this. So, so that's it. So let's go ahead and, and jump into the nerdy news of the podcast. If you are brand new, let me welcome you to my public life as an American nerd. We've been around since 2016, and we are on season four. I think this is episode 12, I think, maybe. Uh, And what we do here is we get together each and every Wednesday and we talk about one bit of nerdy news for the following movies, TV shows, cartoons or animated movies, a comic book, and then we always close up with my personal favorite, Toy of the Week. So we are, let's see, I'm pulling up the, the goodness right now. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to, you know, kind of try to figure out how to segue in. We are going to go ahead and we are going to jump in to this. Um, because when I saw this, I was like, okay. Because I didn't realize that there was going to be a Resident Evil reboot and i guess that is happening and i really liked the resident evils that came out um i think that the writer followed me around for many years because a lot of my stuff that i put up on you know uh the world of myth as far as zombie stuff popped up shortly thereafter so i swear they followed me around anyway let me go ahead and jump into the first topic of this evening this morning this afternoon whatever time you're listening to this by the way thank you for listening to this it is resident evil gotham star donald logue joins the reboot yes i that's that's what's got me here is the fact that donald logue is going to be a part of this and he was one of my favorite parts of gotham he was bullock and, uh, you know, he's, he's just really gritty type character. So I think he'll fit in nicely with the evil, uh, the evil dead, good God, Resident Evil reboot. Uh, the byline reads, Donald Logue, Gotham Blade, is the latest actor to join the upcoming reboot of Resident Evil, which will head back to 1998 for an origin story. Yeah. I like origin stories. They're fun. All right. And there's good old Bullock right there. It says, Donald Logue will be making the jump from the streets of Gotham to Raccoon City in the upcoming Resident Evil movie reboot. Deadline is reporting that Rogue, or Logue sorry, has joined the film as Chief Irons. Mm, okay. Okay. I see it. I see it. Other new additions to the cast includes Chad Rook, who played one of weather, what is it? Weather Wizards on The Flash, and Lily Gayo, who played Evelyn Cho in Handmaid's Tale. Both of their roles are undisclosed. Okay, okay. Brian Irons debut in 1998's Resident Evil 2 as the head of Raccoon City's police. The role should be familiar with one of Logue, who spent five seasons playing Detective Bullock on Fox's Gotham. Uh, 
The character even briefly served as the GCPD's chief. Logie is also known for a number of comic book roles with supporting parts in Blade and Ghost Rider. As for video game movies, Logue appeared in the 2008 Max Payne adaptation, which I did not know, to be honest with you. Logue, Rook, and Go join a previously announced cast of the reboot film, which includes Kaya Sar. Okay, I'm going to slaughter this and I'm sorry. Sakada Lero as Claire Redfield, Hannah John Carmen as Jill Valentine, Robbie Amell, uh, we know who Robbie Amell is, as Chris Redfield, Tom Hopper as Albert Whisker, Avon, let's see, Joria as Leon S. Kennedy. And Neil McDowell as William Birkin. Written and directed, the movie will be 47 meters down helm. Johan Roberts. The new film will take place in 1998 across a single night, detailing the zombie outbreak in Raccoon City. Created by Constantine Films, the original story will repeatedly stay, or reportedly stay, faithful to the first game. Sony Pictures Screen Gems will distri distribute North American, the same company that produced the original film. The previous film series spanned six movies from 2002 to 2016. Though the movies were critically panned, the franchise earned $1.2 billion on a budget of less than $300 million combined, while director Paul W.S. Anderson and star Milia Djokovic, I can never pronounce her name right, have moved on to upcoming Monster Hunter adaptation, with a trailer for a film recently dropped, the property is moving along with a number of projects. Netflix is set to release a Resident Evil, Resident Evil anime called Resident Evil Infamous. Additionally, Netflix is working on Resident Evil TV series helmed by Supernatural producer Andrew Dabb. The show will feature two separate timelines and set of characters fighting off zombies in raccoon city the first timeline will follow a couple just arriving in town with the second showing a devastated future where most of humanity is dead written and directed by johan roberts resident evil stars a whole bunch of people i just mentioned that i don't want to do it again and it will be released by constantine films in the movies arriving in 2021 so there you go that's pretty interesting actually um yeah that's in them okay uh, i don't know I, i'm trying to pull up some of these i mean i know um oh goodness by the way that's really impressive you take 300 million dollars and make 1.2 billion dollars out of it yeah that's impressive Robbie Amell. I know who Robbie Amell is. Sometimes reading these things make me feel old because I'm like, who? Yes, he is. 
I don't know, guys. I, I'm looking and I'm drawing a blank on some of these people. <laughs> but it's really cool the idea that they are bringing in Donald Logan uh, for Chief Irons. I think he'll pull it off. Like, you know, he has that look. He, like I was saying, he has that gritty look. I think it'll work very well. Speaking of gritty looks, have you seen the new uh, Mandalorian, you know, Season 2, Episode 1? Oh, that was so good. The Marshal. Um, that was actually pretty gritty. I thought it was pretty gritty. The, the lighting was grittier. The whole atmosphere was grittier. The story was a little bit grittier. Um, I really dug it, and before I get into this article, it, it's it's things like that, like the Mandalorian. Okay, Mandalorian feels like a Star Wars story, and things like the Mandalorian reminds me personally why I am a Star Wars fan, and I totally, totally, yes, I, my California just popped out, totally, totally dug it. I really did. It was really fun. I can't wait until Friday so we can get episode two. And we find out what's going on with Boba Fett. Because you know and I know he's going to be there. He's he's in the mix. So we'll find out. But uh, to this week's, we are going to take a look at season or season one, episode one. And that brings me to my topic, which is The Mandalorian. Was that? Spoilers, graffiti in the season two premiere. Now, I actually caught it right away uh, when they were panning across it, you know, the, when they were coming into town. Um, I caught it right away. So, yeah, I think so. If you have not watched it, uh, jump ahead because there might be some spoilers in here. And it was really good. And I don't want to spoil something that good for you. Okay, here we go. The action-packed Season 2 premiere of The Mandalorian may have paid tribute to a key Star Wars hero with some rebellious graffiti. Yeah, they did. It was, an, it was definitely an ode. Alright, and like I was saying with your spoilers, here we go. Your spoiler warning. Warning. The following contains spoilers for Star Wars Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1, Chapter 9, The Marshal. Available now on... Disney Plus. All right, here we go. Jumping in. Punch it, Chewie. The Mandalorian has featured quite a few Easter eggs, paying homage to the Star Wars stories that preceded Din John's current adventure with the child. Now, some graffiti at the start of Season 2 premiere, The Marshal, seemingly contains another Easter egg, this time a painting... 3PO as a cult figure, which kind of made me laugh because now I, I, I'm, I'm just talking about this before I even get into the, the article is that, you know, yeah, I, I did. I picked that up as like an occult leader and it made me think about, you remember the, uh, the Ewoks, you know, you know, they all thought he was a god and stuff. So I, that's what I, I picked it up. I was, you know, kind of an, an ode to that. And, um, yeah, let's see if this article agrees with me. At the start of the premiere, chapter nine, the marshal, 
Mando and the child go to a mysterious planet to gather information on where Din can find other members of his clan to help him return his young ward to its people. As they walked a dark, grim alley, there seemed a painting of a three-po's head on the wall. Around the image are crossed-out stormtrooper helmets, implying people are expressing anti-Empire sentiment through creative means. Now, again, that made me think of, um, oh, goodness, uh, Return of the Jedi, and when they're at the end, you know, they're, they're having their festival, and they're drumming on the heads of you know, storm. Well, no, they're not on the heads of stormtroopers. They were drumming on the helmet, stormtrooper helmets. That's what I I took it as. But you know, that's just me. It says, as for why three PO is there, he may be well be getting worshipped as a war hero. After all, many rebels would know how he helps Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, and Han Solo on their missions to take down the Empire. 3PO also went to, on to join the hunt for Imperial strongholds after Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader died, meaning he could be known in that capacity. The graffiti thus suggests 3PO's legend spread. Cobb Vonth, Moss Pego's sheriff, mentions later in the episode how quickly people react to the end of the Empire and Return of the Jedi. So it's entirely possible the heroic legacy of the original trilogy's main character sped quickly. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. It's entirely possible this graffiti isn't an image of C-3PO and is, in fact, of a different protocol droid. The coloration of the face, for example, is half red, but it's entirely possible that was just a symbolic choice by the artist or in some way related to the red arm in the sequel trilogy. It would also seem a bit odd for a different protocol droid to be surrounded by crossed out stormtroopers. So while this might not truly be 3PO Easter egg, there's some evidence to suggest that. In a show filled with references to other parts of the Star Wars canon, it just might be. And of course, it is created by the absolutely marvelous, intelligent, superhuman, creative genius, John Favreau. And it says, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, stars Pedro Pascal with guest stars with... <laughs> they said it twice. With guest stars... Gina Garnero, Carl Weathers, uh, let's see, and director for new seasons include Fabro Baini, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rick Famu Famuja, Carl Weathers, Peyton Reed, and this one made me kind of like, yeah, I like this, Robert Rodriguez, yes. So maybe we get some uh, Mandalorian mochete action in that. Oh my God! I think I just came up with a new. <laughs> I just came up with a new brand for Star Wars, the Mandalorian mochete. Oh uh, yes, that. But uh, in all sincerity, I think that 
uh, it is C3PO and I don't know again I could be wrong that it, it's not connected to you know that scene where they're all celebrating and they're using the the helmets for drums that is where I went and um, you know as far as the red goes I thought it was just like a, a highlight um, kind of a, a, a I don't know, an accent. It really, I didn't see it as actually him being red. So, that, again, that's my opinion. Um, if you haven't seen it, then I don't know why you're listening to this and not jump ahead like I asked. So, push pause, go to Disney+, Plus, watch it, look at it, and then tell me what you think. Because, you know, it, it's, there's so many versions of the the star wars universe you have your legends you have your canon you have um i don't even know what they're calling the books and uh, yeah give me some input I would, I would like that speaking of different versions and stuff um that actually brings me to my cartoon uh news this week and it is why the simpsons spider-verse parody isn't just a rehash of its previous clone story. The Simpsons showrunner Al Jean explains how the Spider-Verse parody from Treehouse of Horror 31 differed from the show's previous clone story. I'll just read it and then I will talk afterwards. The Simpsons yearly Treehouse of Horror special returned early this week with this year's installment featuring a Homer-centric parody of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse called Into the Homerverse, which saw Homer meeting various alternate reality versions of himself. Yes, I know we've talked about this briefly, but because we didn't get a, a Halloween episode, I am covering it now. Thank you. <laughs> Many fans noticed that the segment was similar to the one in 2002's Treehouse of Horror 13 called Send in the Clones, in which Homer clones himself by using a magic hammer. No, hammock, sorry. Uh, let me fix my screen here. Okay, using ma Magic Hammock. However, according to the showrunner and executive producer Al Jean, Into the Homerverse is quite different from Send in the Clones. Jean explains how the two segments differ from one another, citing various factors. Okay, here we go. Jean explained to give me my remote that the two segments differed from one another, citing Verities as a factor. Well, the big difference was Spider-Verse just had an incredible variety of different Spider-Mans, Gene said. We had an episode where there were clones of Homer running around. These are not just variances of Homer's, but there are variances of Burns and Sims, Smithers. This came from a different starting point, so we thought it would be a different story than the clones, the story of the story that we did in Treehouse 13. Well, yeah, that... Uh, uh, I'll, keep, I'll keep, keep reading. Gene added that he thought Into the Homerverse 
just proved the, an opportunity for amazing animated feats. He went on to say, every segment has this really great look, and they, they're they all different from each other. we really, really happy with the way it came out together. The Simpsons star the voice of Dan Castaneta, Nancy Cartwright, Harry Shearer, Julie Knever, Yardley Smith, Hank Zazia. New episodes air Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Fox. Okay, so I, I go ahead and I read that for you. So, number one, it was a really fun episode. I, I caught it online. Um, but here's the big thing, okay? The Into the Spider-Verse, they weren't clones. That's the big thing. They were different variations of Homer, right? But they're not clones. As with what they were saying with the the Treehouse of Horror 13, the send in the clones, they were all clones made, right? So that's how you, you kind of get past that um, is with the clones. I mean, I, I don't really know how to explain it any other way that, you know, this one didn't have anything to do with clones. They were just different variations of Homer, which was really fun. Um, so, yeah. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, you can go on, like, Fox now and give it a watch. It was, it, Like I said, it was sincerely a fun watch. Okay, now we're going to jump over to our comic book news. And... You know, if I keep this up, I'm going to change it from comic book moves, news to I'm Batman news. Because it seems like I'm constantly doing Batman. Uh, I'm not intentionally doing Batman. It's just uh, right now, Batman is cranking out all this good material. And I can't help it. I mean, especially right now with, you know, with the election going on. I searched and I searched and I searched and I searched. Believe it or not, even the comic book sites were talking about the election, which had nothing to do with comic books. But um, it was it was difficult to to find this week's um, stuff to talk about, and that's why I'm kind of going with this one because that's all I could find. So okay, let me jump into Batman. Here we go. Batman teases villainous ghost maker and Bruce Wayne's secret history. What? What? Bruce Wayne's secret history. <laughs> oh, really? I, you know, you you think about it <clears throat> because we're all enamored in Batman, right? But there is a Bruce Wayne. There is that, even if it's a, how do I say this? Even if it's a facade, it's still Bruce Wayne. He has to go out there and put on that facade. So uh, I have not read 102 yet. So uh, we're going to find out together because I'm like really interested. And just as much as it is for myself... Warning, the following contains spoilers for Batman number two, 102 by James Tyron, the fourth, Carlo Peg, 
Pigley in. Danny, Nikki. Is it Mickey? I think they put Nikki instead of Mickey. Somebody check that. Uh, Carlos D. Uh, Anna and Clayton Cowles on sale now. When the Joker War finally came to an end in Batman 100, it was time for Gotham City to rebuild. However, just as the threat of the Joker was finally stopped, another was teased in the form of a new villain who called himself the Ghost Maker. The character appeared for only one page, but he made it clear his intent to be a better savior for Gotham than Batman ever was. Mm. Yes, let's see. Who was that? What? That, that, uh, was it Red Hood? Was it the Red Hood? That was the, the superhero, and it was the Joker in the end. That's kind of what I'm feeling right now, folks. Uh, that. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the wheels turning. Okay, let's see what else it says. Through his dialogue, it was hinted that he and the Cape Crusader had crossed paths before. Now, as the villain makes his appearance known in Batman 102, the issue pulls the curtain back a bit on the secret history of Bruce Wayne and the mysterious Ghostmaker. Hmm. Interesting. And it is Ghostmaker and Batman. They're kind of standing off in this one single panel. And Batman said, We had an agreement. This is my city. And then the Ghostmaker, Then do your damn job. Interesting. At the start of Batman 102, the Dark Knight is on the trail of a gang of clowns, but when he finds them, they're already been brutally murdered. When, while Oracle wonders if this is the work of the teenage clown hunter, Batman immediately recognizes it as someone else. The signature on the wall is all he needs to know that this is the work of someone he already knows, the Ghost Maker. The issue then flashed back to a time when Bruce Wayne was an adult, young adult, traveling to the world. These were his informative years, when he sought all manners of mentors to teach him the skill he would need to become someone capable of saving his crime-infested city. In Batman 102, we find a young Bruce Wayne in Dublin, Approaching Tommy Tavine, a man who is considered to be the greatest knife fighter in the world. Okay. Bruce wants this man to teach him everything he knows, but he's interrupted by the Ghost Maker before he can make his case. The character already appears wearing a mask. A bet not an armor one. He spotted in, he's spotted in the present. The villain is simply wearing a piece of black and white fabric over his head, something that is reminiscent of Matt Murdock's original Daredevil costume. Lawsuit! <laughs> yes, I see it right here. Uh, he's 
just wearing a jacket and a shirt and he's got this white thing over his head with the V uh, that covers his eyes and he looks like he's dodging a, a swing from a young Bruce Wayne and he's saying you need to stop living in the past and start living in the present otherwise you're never going to be able to hit me okay despite the mask the young Bruce Wayne recognizes his voice and he knows exactly who he is he may not reveal the character's name but we can we come to understand they have trained together before the two share the same mentor in Morocco until Ghostmaker killed him. Upon seeming his enemy, the young Bruce is livid, and he threatened to break every bone in Ghostmaker's body, a promise he previously made. The mysterious villain has the same interest as Bruce. He wants to become Tommy Tavine's student, and he's willing to fight Bruce for the privilege. The two then begin to fight in the middle of the street. While Ghostmaker considers himself the superior fighter, the outcome of this fight isn't revealed. There still remains plenty to be revealed about the Ghostmaker, but the issue also offers a lot to go on. We know that the villain and Bruce Wayne trained together before the latter would become Batman, and that they had similar interests. Given the comment about Bruce being an American, it's also quite possible that he fell, he hails from outside the United States. However, it's not entirely clear why Ghostmaker had the same quest to train in various types of combat as Bruce. For now, it is clear that the Ghostmaker is meant to be a dark reflection of Batman, clad in an all-white symbol that contrasts directly to the Dark Knight's signature look. Although the two ultimately went their separate ways, the two seem to have evolved into similar kinds of mass fighters and supremely confident physical combatants. combatants. As the villain states now, he's returned to save Gotham. However, Batman may be the only fighter strong enough to keep his rival from casting a lethal shadow over Gotham City. Hmm. That's uh, that's actually really that's interesting. I I see it as uh, you know black versus white kind of thing. He's um, I don't know about the name Ghostmaker, to be honest with you. That seems kind of, I don't know. I mean, but I, I do get it. You know, you're running out of names. You know, what are you, like, it's like almost 80 years of Batman. You, you're running out of names. I get that. It's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, basically, it's, it's the opposite, polar opposite of Batman is what I'm seeing. Um, you know, Batman's dark and brooding. This guy's all in white. Batman's the good guy. This other guy's the bad guy. And the, the, I don't know, I'm just, I'm looking at, like, I, I, I'm going to have to read this book. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, we just, we just went through um, the three Jokers together. We might have to go through this whole Ghost Maker saga together, too, just so we can figure out what's going on. Uh, because, you know, 
I'm Batman. <laughs> okay, I'm just looking here to see if I missed anything. And it does not look that way. Okay, so we kind of gone through everything a little bit faster than normal and I always have a contingency planned. I always have another one, uh, another topic backed up and it really doesn't focus on anything per se. It, it, it could be a whole different, it could be comic news, it could be movie news, it, you could be construed in any way. Um, and since we've jumped into that and we are about four minutes above uh yeah about four minutes we will tackle a special fifth article before we get to toy of the week and this one is because uh we've been we started with uh well we didn't start with the mandalorian but we, we talked about the mandalorian and i figured since we were talking about you know star wars that we were going to go ahead and go into this one so what do I give you? I give you Star Wars. How George Lucas's original story built a very different galaxy. The Star Wars comic book brought series brought George Lucas's original version into the iconic science fiction franchise to life in a whole new way. What? I did not know they made a comic book. Okay, I'm going to have to stop recording shortly here and go buy it because, you know, I have to know. I have to know. Oh, the the urge to literally to push pause on this and go to a cup of ecology. Oh, goodness. Okay, here we go. Uh, here we go. I can do this. I have the tiger. I have the tiger. <laughs> All right. The world of Star Wars has a deep, involving history that still feels cohesive and lived in, which makes it resonate so many years after its debut. Perhaps it is for that reason that the alternate interpretation and histories of this universe fascinates its fans equally. The Star Wars is one such alternate history. In the style of the Star Wars Infinites, a series of comic books that ask questions like, what if Luke failed to destroy the Death Star? Or, what if Luke froze to death on Hoth? Star Wars reimagined the original film as it had been developed from George Lucas's original script. Published by Dark Horse, written by frequent Star Wars scribe Jonathan W. Rinsler and featuring pencils from Mike Mayhew, this George Lucas-approved 2013 comic series saw Princess Leia as not Alderaan. Let's see, how do you pronounce that? Akuli? Be becoming the heir apparent to the throne after the Emperor's conquest of her homeland and the attempts of Luke Skywalker to rescue her. Although here, Luke is depicted as a senior general, as opposed to a youthful farm boy, 
Yearning for the Stars. And in Obi-Wan's steed, it's Luke himself who takes the young Anakin Skywalker, Anakin Skykiller, as his Padawan. Interesting. Interesting. Padawan, the learner of the Jedi Benu, Bindu, a name which fans of the Jedi Rebel animated series should be familiar with, as the names in the short description attest Lucas and his successors would mine the original story script for names, places, and concerts for years to come. I did not know this came out. Oh, wow. Sorry, I'm like super geeking right now. 2013. 2013 is when we were like knee deep in uh, seeing red. That's why I think I wasn't really focused on comics. Throughout the series, the differences are often minor but meaningful. Star destroyers, the hulking starships that impose on the original 1977 film's iconic opening shot, are instead nimble dogfighters closer to TIE fighters than battleships. To add to the oddly unsettling nature of this world, R2-D2 communicates in words instead of beeps. Han Solo is a tall reptilian creature, more reminiscent of Swamp Thing than Harrison Ford. Yet the discrepancies that may concert, disconcert the longtime fans most is the absence of mortal meaning in lightsaber coloration. For the most part, blue and green lightsabers are for good and red is for bad. But in the Star Wars, all major characters would wield a red lightsaber regardless of whether they're Jedi or Knights. Or wait, Jedi Bindu or Sith Knights. Interesting. Instead of being reserved for heroes like Luke Skywalker, blue lightsabers only appear in the hands of Empire Grunts. Interesting. Yeah, see I'm looking at the starships. Imperial Star Destroyers scream over the plaza of the Datter. The Star Wars, with the Sith Knight volume, joining with Anakin Skykiller or Starkiller in defiance of the Empire. The ideas in the original script are rough and complex, with a vast amount of character concepts and challenging names, conventions to wrap your head around. For that reason, it's no wonder the script was deemed unsatisfactory in its original form. But the galaxy here is one far more befitting an audience now equipped with intrigue and mystery-based fantasy, with gray, moral, and dense world-building. However, the most valuable aspect of the series, beyond the novelty of its alternate versions for the franchise, lays in how this retro-reconciliation 
reestablishes Star Wars as it was originally intended as a homage to the pulp serial space opera George Lucas's youth by combining the original authorial intent with the flair of decades worth of design work the Star Wars became a work that much more than a simple what-if alternate reality story not only is the art of Ralph McQuire a massive influence but so too are the films themselves many panels are direct recreation of the shots and scenes from its source material in fact this spirit of returning of the franchise's roots have become more and more popular of late this retro design ethos and revisiting older texts to find new inspiration lives on or lives on in the Mandalorian which returns to just the original trilogy area I think that's why actually the Mandalorian is so popular because it, it takes place so in that world the the new trilogy has not happened yet so I think maybe that's maybe that's why it fell so Star Wars that makes a lot of sense Holy crap. Okay, anyway, uh, for anyone who wants more of that time in the galaxy, the Star Wars is still enough to treat for those fans who long to see the original film in new light. Like I said, I am totally going to hit Comicology after this podcast as I'm spinning it down, and I'm going to see how much money it's going to cost me to get caught up because yes yes i want it <laughs> uh willy wonka uh reference i want it i want it now yeah i hear that a lot and since we are in star wars mode and yes this is a theme it became a theme it wasn't meant to be a theme but it became a theme uh this week we jump to the big bad toy store.com and we go to our toy of the week now if you have not heard again if you're new um, and I, it's been a while since I've told the story so I guess I'll go ahead and tell it people that have been listening forever are probably sick of hearing a story but I'll tell it anyway for the new new people to come in so uh, a couple years ago a good friend of mine Mario Martinez got me back into collecting action figures now traditionally i've been collecting uh, mecca nightmare on elm street figures that's what i've been collecting but because it was so fun it's been so fun to hunt and find the particular ones that i want i decided to add toy of the week to my show now the reason i use big bad toy store is because of that reason i use this website i do not use any other website because i used one other website one time and i got ripped off so i use this one particularly i do not get no money from the big bad toy store and quite frankly i don't even think they know i exist but they're good they produce good quality uh, you know, they're up and up. They're a good service. So that's why I go here. And that's why I promote it here on that website. And this time, staying true to the Star Wars theme that 
I didn't really mean to kind of give it a theme, but I guess it did turn into a Star Wars theme. This week is Star Wars, the Black Series 6-inch Mandalorian. And this is by Hasbro. And it's really cool. It is Mando in his... Um, he is in his Season 1 get-up before he, he gets all that new armor. And he's got the, the blaster... Plus, he has the, the rifle blaster. He's got the cape. And he's all gritty and dark. Which is figured out why I figure they call it the Black Series. And it is super detailed. Holy cow, it's super detailed. And it's not that much money. I'll tell you that right now. It's not. Okay. This is Product Description. Kids and fans alike can imagine the biggest battles and missions in Star Wars Saga with figures from Star Wars The Black Series. With exquisite figures and decorations, this series embodies the quality and realism that Star Wars devotes devotees love. Each 6-inch scale figure is carefully detailed to look like its appearance in the film. The figure's platinum detailed and multiple points of articulation and includes character-inspired accessories. Product features is 6 inches for you non-Americans. That is 15.24 centimeters. It is completely made of plastic and it is a collector-grade quality with premium details, multiple points of articulation, and... Expand and Enhanced Star Wars Collection. The box itself is the Mandalorian, a blaster pistol, and the blaster rifle. That's what I said. Now, because it is around the 6-inch, I am obligated to say that general safety warning, products sold may be intended for adult collectors. Products may contain sharp points, small parts, choking hazards, or other elements not suitable for children under 16 years old. Which is kind of weird, because how... Have you ever really actually known, like, a 15-year-old to put a toy in their mouth and choke on it? Just saying. Um, let's see. And... I will give you the standard grade, which is this item is brand new and in mint condition. Packaging is case fresh, but may have flaws suitable to display in package or to open, which is a big debate because I know there's people like uh, my friend Mario, the guy who got me into it uh, collecting. I know he takes his out of the package and displays them for me. My things are still in the box. It's just totally up to you. Now, I know I've been giving a lot of expensive uh, Halloween figures because they're Halloween figures and they're more expensive. And also, this is not a pre-order. This is actually, you can go and buy it right now. It, it is available and it is in stock at this moment. And it is only $22.99 which is amazing for it, A, being a Disney figure, and B, being six inches tall, and C, being 
articulated you know being able to articulate and of course they they give you options of shipping uh which is like uh standard shipping and then they actually have a damaged so if you want like a damaged box i'm assuming uh let's see what that is i've actually never paid much attention to it <laughs> on the shipping um let's see i'm taking a peek and see what it is uh it doesn't really say that's interesting okay damage grade okay there we go so okay they offer because i guess some things have been damaged this this is a brand new and in good mint condition package is heavily damaged that's what it is uh only suitable for opening so you could actually pick that up for two dollars less okay so there you go you can go to bigbadtoystore.com and type in star wars colon black series six inch mandalorian and it is by hasbro and you 23 bucks come on i mean if you're a, a, a star wars collector yeah that's that's something that i think needs needs to be indulged in <laughs> Oh, yes. Maybe we'll keep this in because I know there's a really cool uh, another figure that I saw. But this one's a pre-order, so I might... Eh, we'll see what happens next week. All right, gang. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been uh, it's been a long day, and I hope this kind of uh, eased the tension for you. Um you know, it doesn't matter what side of the road you stand on. It, it's been a very stressful day, and I'm hoping that today, Wednesday, will not be that stressful. Um, just remember, whatever the outcome is, we're all human beings. We're all nerds, and we all need to stick together. Okay? All right, gang. Thank you so much for coming in, and we will come back again next week to do it all over again. So, for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya, and as always, I bid you adieu.